Welcome to the I Hate Everyone podcast, the only podcast run by a 24-year-old black magician from Wisconsin. What a combination, currently living in New York, featured in the New York Times, AM New York Complex, ABC, NBC, and Fox. Today is the first podcast in a while. Did you miss me? I missed you. Why was I gone? Not only was I filming a pilot in a pilot sizzle, it's like, it's hard to explain. But not only was I filming with the major network in LA last week, my grandma died the same week. So it's been a very weird and rough week. I've also been living my best life with my partner, Glory, who was in LA with me. So it was our first like couples trip, my first couples trip in general. So uh, I was very, very busy. But now I'm back because we have some shit to talk about. The most gangster shit in the world happened. And this isn't just like a report. This is this is an analysis on why this is one of the biggest moments in modern history. And you might be like, you might be, you're exaggerating this. I'm going to explain this to you and how you can like look at this critically, not as just a moment or something that happened, but as, as you will see, this is something that you will read about in the history books. And it's not as obvious as you think. So if you haven't seen on Netflix, there is the Chappelle show. Now I'm getting like the inside scoop on networks and shit like this. Cause like I'm like working with a production company. I'm working with a major network now. So I'm actually like getting to see behind the scenes of what it's like to work with, like seeing these contracts and shit. So I'm finally seeing like this world that I didn't really plan to see. But one of these things is that Netflix has put the Chappelle show on Netflix. Now, what does this mean? It means that they got the Chappelle show from um, Comedy Central who's owned by Viacom. Viacom like, is like a big conglomerate, you know what I mean? So they own Comedy Central. And Comedy Central sold The Chappelle Show to Netflix. Now, they did this, and the problem that arose from this is that they didn't pay Dave Chappelle. Dave Chappelle is upset by this. Now, there's a few factors that are interesting about this. The first thing is that if I was Viacom or Comedy Central, I probably would have done the same thing. One, because Dave Chappelle doesn't seem like he cares about money. He constantly talks about he doesn't care about money. He got offered $50 million to do one more season of a show and flew to Africa and turned it down to say no. He never seemed like he lives in Ohio. You know, he never seems like someone that cares about money. You know what I mean? So that's like the main reason why I, if I was Viacom, I'd be like, yeah, let's just do it. But they didn't even tell him that they were going to do it. That's the thing. Right now, Dave Chappelle's special is sold on Netflix for twenty five million a piece, as we know. So the Chappelle show for a whole like was three seasons or something like that. Like however many seasons it is, like you can probably bet that each season's going to be like tens of millions of dollars. You know what I mean? So they paid somewhere from twenty five to one hundred million dollars for uh, these seasons of Chappelle show. And Chappelle saw nothing. You know, it has his name and face, and every episode is him, and he got nothing. Even if he got ten percent of that, that would be ten million dollars. You know what I mean? Maybe they paid more. I'm not sure. But uh, the the thing about this that that is that is really fascinating about this, this this case study that we're seeing is that Dave Chappelle is upset, so he decided to ask his agent what he should do, and his agent says there's nothing you can do because you licensed your name and likeness to them. Essentially, what Dave Chappelle did was he was when he signed his contract as a 28 year old, he was all like, you can use my face and stuff forever that he's say, saying in this little he released a little 18 minute special that's on his Instagram. That's basically him raining down fucking fire on the networks being I'll explain what he says in a, in a minute. But he says when he was 28, he signed it and the contract stated they can use his likeness in perpetuity throughout the universe. So what they were doing was anticipating fucking life on Mars <clears throat> 200 years from now or whatever, or not even Mars, I don't even know where the fuck we're trying to go, and is anticipating when they want to license TV somewhere else, they can put Chappelle on Mars. 
like throughout the year. They're anticipating that. You might be like, they're not anticipating that. They are. Anti- why else would they do it that broad? You know what I mean? It's it. They made the, they could say with throughout the world, but they were like, just in case we go somewhere else, it's not the world, and Comedy Central is still around. Comedy will be around forever. We can use Chappelle's show in two hundred years throughout the universe. You know, if that's what the contract states. But a lot of things are like that. So, for instance, my contract uh, that I did for in LA was actually, uh, it was really tight cause I had to do a lot of COVID like restrictions. So I had to take a COVID test uh, before I got there, after I got there and after I got back and I had to have a driver take me, uh, like a private driver take me like to set because I couldn't use public transportation. So I had to get a driver to take me to the airport, back from the airport to set every day, back from set, like to the meetings and everything like that. And the contract states that I can't participate in any hazardous activity. And if I do participate in any hazardous activity willingly, I basically owe the balance for the uh for the like the set or for for like the the stuff if i fuck everything up on purpose basically i owe the balance they have the right to charge me and they're like oh we won't do that you know it's basically just for uh, for your protection so that like if anything happens to you you won't sue us but it's basically uh it's a two-way street but it's uh, you could see it as like kind of almost you could see it as that so it was and then it defined hazardous activity in my contract uh, it says as broad as the company that wrote this contract stipulates. So like they didn't think I was going to read this contract. And also most people who read contracts don't like know much about law. And I don't know too much about law. I don't want you guys to think I'm saying I'm like a lawyer, but I took like a law class and I can also read and look shit up. So, I mean, like it was essentially saying that like as broad as the company defines hazardous activity, they can, they can, so they can say if I was in my room and ordered a pizza and the woman had Corona, then I got Corona and then gave it to the set people. Cause I didn't know I had Corona, but it was cause I ordered that pizza, but I couldn't leave. So I had to order a pizza. They could be like, well, you ordered the pizza. So it's your fault. You know what I mean? Technically speaking, they wouldn't do that if they like you, but technically speaking, they could do that. That's how broad, as broad as they want. So it's basically saying, yeah, if you do something dangerous, that's uh, on you, but whatever we think is dangerous is dangerous, and that's what a lot of laws like and things like shit like shit like that does. Like that's what a lot of shit like that means. So like I don't doubt that his contract said in perpetuity throughout the universe, um, because that's a very like contracting network thing to put. So essentially, they uh, put this on here. I'm lighting a joint. If you have a joint, light it with me on three, one, two, three. By the way, you can follow me on Instagram at RJ the Magic Can. Follow me on Instagram at RJ the Magic Can. Not magician. Magician was taken. Um, so yes. So essentially, what they did was they put his uh, show on Netflix. They, he knows they made hundreds of millions of dollars for selling it, and then uh, he didn't get shit, and no one even decided to tell him. So he released this little mini special called Unforgiven, Unforgivable, something like that, on um, Instagram, and it's like a a 17, 18 minute video where he just goes in on these networks. It might be like he just goes in like he just shit talks them though. He gives what I believe is one of the most persuasive, persuasive speeches I've ever heard. And remember, I'm a rhetoric major. I studied rhetoric in school. My whole thing was analyzing speeches. I had a whole class dedicated, whole class dedicated to analyzing TED Talks. What did that speeches, speeches, persuasiveness. There's a lot of sirens. I'm going to wait a second. Wait a second for the sirens to die down. There we go. It's New York City. Speeches. So, like, we, we analyze speeches on what's called the persuasive continuum, like the goals of each speech. My Alexa's going off. God, what is happening? Alexa, stop. 
Sometimes in life, you can't control the ebb and the flow of the circumstances. However, we're continuing because I told you we're doing less cuts, less edits, underproduced. So the persuasive continuum, what's the goal of the piece? Is it to maintain action, to initiate action, to change minds? You know, every rhetorical piece has a goal. There's only so many goals you can have. You know, there's only so many original original goals you can have to uh essentially like persuade someone you know like do you want someone to stop doing what they're doing keep doing what you're doing do you want like change someone's mind do you want to formulate some an opinion in someone's mind like you can't do everything at the same time and if you do it's an ineffective piece of rhetoric you're doing too many things you know what i mean you ever see someone like a kid and they want to go to the park or something like that so they're crying and they're laughing and then they're getting mad and they're trying to use all the and they're like fucking like all the other kids get to, it's like too much shit you know what i mean and that when you do too much shit specifically when it's emotional is called demagoguery and that's like a greek term for when people would just use pure emotion and usually you know there's an era where that shit like worked you know what i mean like pure demagoguery when that shit was new you know whenever anyone develops new speaking styles that shit works really well donald trump developed a new like kind of no nonsense uh like i'm again i'm not a trump supporter but this is what they see it as right that he developed what is this kind of no-nonsense, tell it as it is, I'm not fucking presidential and I don't care, fucking grease on my time, McDonald's motherfucking shit. You know, like, he invented this new way of, you know, tell it how it is, we like that. And this is working for him. And this will work for the people that come after him, for those Republicans that, like, follow in his tracks. And then it will die down, you know, and a new form of speech will happen. And demagoguery was kind of like that, you know, it was like that kind of, like, fully emotional, like, I have a dream type shit, you know what I mean? Like, not like that was like the era that wasn't the specific era but like that kind of like martin luther king and the i have a dream speech you know he's like you know he's not really like saying like a ton of facts he's not saying like hey i'm establishing my credibility this way he's kind of just being like yo like this would be sick right like, you know so this is uh that was a long way that was a lot of talking so i analyzed the speech by analyzed i mean i just watched it twice and it's truly amazing. So what he's doing in the beginning of the speech is he's establishing his credibility. This is called ethos. This is what you do as a good speaker. In the beginning, he starts talking about, like, I've been entertaining you guys for years. You guys watched my shows, Comedy Central, blah, blah, blah. I've been around. I've been telling you stories. You guys have been here tonight. And he goes, but now I'm going to tell you some real shit, right? He establishes his credibility. He, he tells you who he is because too many people go into speeches or situations thinking people know who they are. And it's like, why the fuck should we listen to you? Especially because he knew he was going to be posting this. A lot of people might not know who he is. People might not like, like people not might not like his shit because of uh, his fucking homophobic-ish fucking like uh, specials where he talked about trans people. Again, he talked about trans people, but like, again, if you talk about trans people, you're considered homophobic in almost any context now. So it's one of these, it's one of those issues where it's like, I love Dave Chappelle and I think he's someone that does a lot for the black community and just the world in general. One of them fucking Mark Twain prize, but a lot of people are like initially are stunned by just the way he speaks. So I can't blame them because he does it on purpose because he's trying to be divisive. So that's like, you know, pick your battles. I don't know. But anyway, moving on. So Dave Chappelle <laughs> opened with that, his credibility. And then he starts talking about his history with TV and how he did, he did the Chappelle show. And it was incredible. And it was a show that was loved by millions and all this shit. But he didn't get paid. He signed a contract. He was young. He got ripped off. He talks about getting ripped off before that, before the Chappelle show. He talks about getting ripped off by a guy doing three-card Monty, you know, the three-card scam on the street where he did the, basically a magic trick to take his money. And he talks about a time where, where a man almost killed him when he got in the way of of his, his meal, when he got in the way of his paycheck. This man almost killed him because he ruined his scam. And he just tells all these stories that aren't related. And then comes and says, 
Those were when I was ripped off. That's when I was ripped off in the past. I was ripped off this time when this comedian stole my joke when I was 15 and threatened me. I was ripped off then. And now I'm ripped off by someone using my own likeness, my name, my fucking name. He's like, I do Chappelle show again for you guys. Everyone cheers. And he goes, but they you, they have my name. They have my license forever, forever in the whole universe, you know? And that's when people are like, shit. So then at the end, he basically is like, so you don't know what you guys are witnessing right now. So I'm going to tell you because the people in the audience are just people in the audience. You know, they're just people. He says, you're witnessing a public flogging of a network. He used the word flogging because flogging is a slave term. Flogging is when you like hit someone's back. You know what I mean? Typically, like it was, you know, like flogging, like, you know, like with a whip or something like a flog. You know what I mean? So it's like he's saying you're witnessing a public flogging of a network. Now, what he's saying here is why I opened the podcast the way I opened it. Dave Chappelle is saying you guys are witnessing history. He's saying all he he even brought it in and said in very crass terms, he said, uh, this industry that's fucking me because I'm getting in the way of their money is the same industry that's fucking women. He's like these me too bitches. That's the phrase he used. So like I'm always one where it's like if his general point is that Hollywood is fucking over women, you know, I don't really necessarily care how you say it. You know what I mean? But it's like I'm also a man. So I see why a lot of my friends don't like comedy because like he didn't have to say me too bitches. You know what I mean? So it's kind of like it's interesting. Just bringing up points. Anyway, so he he's like saying all this shit, how he, how he gets like, how he got like fucked by Hollywood and all this shit. He didn't make any money from a show. And, and this, this is Hollywood machine is what basically like chewed him up and spit him out. And now he's an awful person. Now he smokes and he drinks when he was, when he was like, you know, it's just all these points where he's just like, you guys ruined my life. You did this. You didn't pay me for this. You didn't do this. And he brings up these analogies beforehand, which weren't even related. So it just made you feel for him. So it just created this, a lot of emotions. So then he goes at the end, he wraps it up by bringing it back by saying, so they are going to pay me for this show. And he's like, so I, he's, he says, they're going to pay me for the show. You're witnessing the public flogging of, an, of a network. He says, you're witnessing all the people that couldn't say shit about fucking bosses that they had. All the people that couldn't say shit about people being racist. All the people that couldn't say shit about, about, so I'm not saying this happened because I'm black. I'm saying that people just, that just got fucked. All those people that didn't say shit. I'm here because I'm saying shit now for the first time. I'm publicly calling them out. And the thing is, it's different than if I was just like, fuck Netflix. Yes, yes, yes. Like, never fuck Netflix, but you get the general idea. If that was me, you know what I mean? I'm just a dude. You know what I mean? I'm a dude with a podcast with a few hundred listeners. You know what I mean? But Dave Chappelle is someone that he knew if he posted that, it would immediately get a million views. You know what I mean? He knew a million people would see that. So he's like, I'm telling a million fucking people Fuck Viacom. Fuck that. Like, he's not, like, saying fuck Viacom, but he's, like, really saying, you know, like, uh, don't watch the show until they pay me. That's his goal. He kept saying that. Don't watch the show until they pay me. Don't watch it until they pay me. But he's saying in front of everyone, I'm saying this. A million people, my audience of a million people, you're witnessing this for the first time. You're witnessing an artist who was told they can't do anything per their contract, which is true publicly wage war on a network which is viacom to essentially pay him tens of millions of dollars he feels he feels he's owed from a contract that he willingly signed duress free so if you sign a contract under duress typically it's not binding i believe 
I believe. So under duress means if you're like stressed, so someone makes you sign a contract by like uh, holding a gun to your head. It's not a legally binding contract. You could be like, I was under duress. Dave Chappelle signed the contract free. You know, like he signed the contract freely. He signed the contract just as a dude that wanted some more money and thought it was a good move. You know, and he was like tricked a little bit, but it was a tricky contract. And you have to read your contracts. You know what I mean? So it's like, he's not saying it's not his fault. He's saying that in 2020, isn't this right? Like, shouldn't like in 2020, if you're not even going to say something, like, shouldn't I get like a little something if you're making millions off of me? And he's like, go check the books. He's like, if you're working at Comedy Central and you don't know what the fuck I'm talking about, go downstairs and check the books. See how much that show made, which is probably like 50, 100 million dollars or whatever. And then he's like, look how much you paid me, which is probably like tens of thousands. You know what I mean? And he's like, that's not right. And it's like, it's not right. Like he was willing to let that shit go. But the fact that they were trying to resell it and act like that shit never happened is the fact where he's like, now I draw the line. So I think it's super interesting to see someone who's so like, I don't give a fuck about money. I live in Ohio. Get like so wound up and literally just is this quiet hellfire that he's raining down on the fucking networks and it's like why is this history right if this happens for dave chappelle if dave chappelle gets this this that's what's called a precedent in court you call it a precedent a precedent is a previous example of something that happened in history that let something happen current in current circumstances i suppose so for instance if i'm in court and i want to get off for killing someone. Let's say I killed my abusive father, right? I, I killed my abusive father because he was like killing my dog. That's a very morbid example, but let's say that this is a criminal court. I am much more likely to get off, let's say, with no jail time if there was someone in, uh, in the past, anywhere in the United States, that had that exact same situation, which isn't uncommon in the history of the world, considering there's 300 million Americans. You know what I mean? So it's like there's there's precedents from all throughout history and you can call out like all kinds of precedents. But like the thing in court is precedents are what rule court. You know, the Supreme Court operates on precedents. They operate on things happening. You know, they, they have to set precedents, which means that they, they oftentimes take issues that no one's that are too complex for anyone to handle. So that way they can like take um, set precedents, setting setting past examples for other lawyers to use in the future. And there's even Supreme Courts, a lot of you probably don't know that each uh, state, excuse me, has their own Supreme Court as well. So there's federal Supreme Courts and there's the Supreme Court of the, of the whole like country, you know what I mean, of America. So uh, anyway, so this sets what's called a precedent. And I was going to, what is called a precedent, excuse me. And I was going to name this like the floodgates theory because I was like, oh my God, like like, if you do this, it's like opens the floodgates. And I'm like, why don't people just call this the floodgates theory? Like, man, I'm so fucking smart. And I'm like, I think they came up with this in law. I'm sure they came up with this already. And I'm like, if I was a lawyer, what would I call this? And I'm like, maybe the open season theory, the floodgates theory. So I looked up floodgates theory and it's already a theory. So I'm not, so I'm not that smart. But like communication, lawyers are very creative. So they kind of just name shit like that. So this is called the floodgates theory. And it's just the idea that if something happens uh, legally in terms of litigation, you know what I mean? Something happens legally, then the floodgates will open and people won't stop suing for that thing, right? So if Dave Chappelle gets $50 million for this show that Netflix maybe paid $100 million for, let's say, let's pretend, you know, it, that means... That everyone who had a worse contract than Dave Chappelle, everyone who's less famous than Dave Chappelle, Dave Chappelle and under, essentially, will be able to go to Comedy Central and be like, you sold my show. Where's my, where's my cut? 
You know what I mean? Everybody who everybody who ever had a worse deal than Dave Chappelle, which is a lot considering this launched Dave Chappelle's career, which is a lot. You know what I mean? Everyone who had a worse deal than Dave is going to have the right to be like, you did it for him. Why won't you do it for me? And their answer can't just be, well, he's Dave Chappelle. You know what I mean? So this also is dangerous because if they do this, then net other networks will see that precedent being set and then other people will be able to... Carlton for Fresh Prince, you guys didn't pay. I made the show. The dance is iconic. Fucking, why don't I get more money? It's open season. You know what I mean? Anyone will have the rights. And if they don't get it, if, if, if he doesn't get it, I don't know how this how, how court works. I don't know if he can sue in civil court for that. He did sign a contract. So I think this whole thing is saying that he can't sue Viacom because he did sign a contract. Um, unless there was, again, a precedent set where someone was like, yo, this contract was shit for some like reason. I was under duress, something, something, something goes to the Supreme Court. And they're like, you know what, Dave Chappelle, you know, you're right. And then from, from then on, people can sue for like weird reasons. But um, I'm not sure if there's court proceedings after this that people can use like a public forum. Essentially, what I'm saying is like precedents have to be set in court to be used in court, I believe. So I'm not sure if... If Viacom pays Dave Chappelle $50 million, someone in court could be like, listen, we're suing to break this contract. Dave Chappelle like, did this thing outside of the law, but he got it. So why can't we? You know what I mean? I don't think you can do that because that's not like a legal precedent that's set. But if there was some kind of court case or maybe a lawyer involved, I'm not sure if there could be some kind of way that they could use this to set an actual legal precedent for people to retroactively get fine, like revenue from their current projects from which they were snubbed in terms of a bad contract that was a lot of words so yes dave Chappelle is correct he's like you're witnessing the flogging of a network you are witnessing history in the making this is the first time someone has publicly waged war on a network because it's the first time this could really happen because there's boycotts right there's boycotts but that's like don't watch netflix and those are like you know people are like yeah but he's just saying don't watch the Chappelle show right and now we're at a time where people can have their audience instantaneously. We're at a time where a million people can see this in six days. Five million people have seen this in six days. We're at a time where you can instantaneously plug in your audience to what you're saying. He has a fucking microphone, right? And this is the first time where he's like, you're witnessing history because an artist is using their platform to make the money that they deserve just by asking for it. And if they don't give it to us, We'll see what fucking happens. Waging war. You know what I mean? That shit's wild. So right now, it's just asking for people not to watch the Chappelle show, which we can do. I can do. And maybe we'll see what happens. You know, so this will be... They'll want to move carefully because they don't want to set any precedents for the industry uh, for, for essentially people to, re again, retroactively renege their contracts, which objectively is wrong. Dave Chappelle is in the wrong. Objectively... He signed the contract willingly. He had a lawyer willingly. However, wouldn't it be nice? Why Why can't they? You know, why can't they give him a few million? If they're making $100 million profit because they paid, Ch paid Chappelle nothing, why can't they just throw a little bit Chappelle's way? You know, they're not losing anything. I mean, technically, you know, I mean, opportunity cost, economics, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, you get the general idea. So, yes. So, anyway, 
thanks for listening to this episode. This was a, a very passionate episode. You know, I love comedy. I hope this, nothing I said in this episode offended anybody. Um, again, I do like Dave Chappelle. I think he's a great person. I think his heart's at the right place. I think he's a little crass. And I think he's learning. And I think every special he does gets a little bit better at him choosing his words carefully while still being funny. So I think, you know, people if people get better and show progress, why not give them a chance? Especially if they're trying to do better for the world, you know. Or at least look like they are. Like, you know, we'll see. <laughs> so, uh, talk to you guys later. RJ the Magic Hand on Instagram. See you guys next time.